topics that concern your life, your community, and your safety. This is 5-0 Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News 92.3 FM. Here's what you need to know. Hello and welcome to the Phoenix 5-0 Show. My name is Lieutenant Vince Lewis with the Public Affairs Bureau, Phoenix Police Department. Out of uh, 620 West Washington, uh, police headquarters downtown Phoenix, uh, we're going to talk today about a specialized unit that was either born out of either uh, a brain uh, inspiration or necessity, what have you. We're going to learn right from the, uh, the specialist who comes from our own department. With me today, Lieutenant Brian Canupel. How you doing, Brian? Hello. Hey, Vince. Thanks for having me, Vince. Yeah, you bet. So um, we're going to talk about the Crime Gun Intelligence Unit. Did I get it right? CGU is the short term, but the acronym is CGIU? Yes. Yep. We uh, CGU is an, a little short nickname we have for it, but yes, Crime Gun Intelligence Unit. Okay, excellent. So with all of the concerns that we have identified through the Chief's Crime Plan, one of those goals specifically talks, I think, spe- uh, just about your your unit and uh, how we're going to accomplish that goal. Uh, are you familiar with the crime plan and how your unit fits into that? Can you tell us a little bit about um, the mission? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Crime Gun Intelligence Unit is housed out of our Violent Crimes Bureau. So we work hand in hand with homicide investigators, assaults unit, the robbery uh, unit, as well as um, our night detectives. So our, our function is a support function for all of investigations and then investigations within our own unit uh, that we deal. And those are all focused around ballistic evidence and uh, guns that are used in different types of crimes. And I have uh, detectives, sworn and civilian investigators that uh, are part of this group and they're, they're laser beam focused on crime guns and following ballistic evidence and things of that, of that nature. So what we know about investigations is that guns played a huge part in lots of crimes and a lot of different scenarios, whether or not they're fired or uh, simulated or uh, you know even threatened or talked about and that kind of a thing. So uh, why did we need to separate out this type of investigations and not leave it up to, let's say, assaults or, or uh, uh, homicide or robbery to just deal with the, the gun portion of it? How is your unit addressing that need. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when we're talking about ballistic evidence, when we're talking about uh, NIBIN and using the system NIBIN, which is a a short for National Integrated Ballistic Information Network, which is uh, a program that started back in the 90s that uh, by the ATF. Um, And that is the ability for us to uh, track and uh, ballistic evidence and be able to use uh, technology to be able to connect guns to different crimes that may be happening within the community or around the country. So we take that information, we're able to uh, piece it together and uh, start to uh, build our cases and helping with that. So having detectives that are specialized in weapon-related investigations, ballistic evidence, really allows the criminal investigators that may be working a homicide or a robbery to focus on um, the people and the other evidence they may have, anything ballistic evidence related, that is in our shop. And we, we do um, a lot of work hand in hand with our investigators to make sure that there, if there is any uh, 
follow-up on on ballistic evidence that we were working with the case agent on those. Okay, so, uh, and I've heard it said in open forums that guns have fingerprints. So essentially, if a gun is used at any time, regardless of what it's used for, when it does what it does, when it fires the bullet, that particular bullet can be traced to a particular gun. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. It makes a, a unique, there's, there's various uh, capabilities that we use to um, identify guns that are related. So yes, they do leave a unique, they, we view those as nuggets of gold and, and we use that information to for further that. Now that's not only our only piece, we also use layer technology um, to help us enhance um, our investigative follow-up and to base, be able to uh, locate trigger pullers and get those dangerous people off the streets of the city of Phoenix. So it's pretty close to what we see on uh, Forensic Files and those TV shows and things when we've got somebody who's examining, you know, a spent shell casing, a bullet that's already been fired, they're taking a look at it using 3D modeling or, or you know, high, uh, high definition cameras. They're able to get enough evidence on that to identify a, a singular weapon that might've been used in other crimes? That's correct, yep. So the uh, firearms leave a unique impression um, on some of the ballistic evidence that we look at. Uh, and through that information, we use the um, uh, Nibin uh, database and be able to correlate that information and correlate casings that we may have collected three months ago um, and, and tie it to another shooting or in criminal investigation we're working today uh, through the use of this technology. Wow, okay, but it's not new relatively, it's just getting better, is that correct? Yeah, so uh, the Phoenix Police Department and our Crime Gun Intelligence Unit, uh, we've really been one of the top um, producers and involved with uh, throughout the country. Uh, a lot of the things that we do uh, is unique uh, to the city of Phoenix because we take some of the um, processing of ballistic evidence out of our crime lab and we're able to do that in-house. So from the time we uh, collect evidence at a scene uh, process it for DNA and be able to enter that information into a database uh, is a short period of time. So we're able to take that information and get follow-up, potential follow-up information to our investigators within a very short period of time where traditionally it has always been uh, evidence is collected, it goes to a crime lab, it may sit there for days, weeks, years, depending on the prioritization of that evidence, uh, whereas we have the ability in-house to process uh, ballistic evidence, uh, test fire firearms, um, and collect any type of DNA or evidence from those firearms uh, during that process. Wow. So I remember when I was new and I was told how to, you know, approach a scene where a gun was fired or there's casings to collect. Um, you kind of carefully do your best not to contaminate it. You collect it and you ship it off and, you know, give instructions. But you, it kind of leaves your hands there. Um, how different is the experience now for the responding patrol officer? What specialized information do they know? What have you asked them to do differently? What kind of training do they now have? Who's out there helping you folks on the front end? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, one of the things that we've implemented a few years ago was our crime gun liaison program. And that leverages our patrol officers and it's a force multiplier for us. So we provide them 40 hours of very intense uh, training that... Um, gives them a hands-on ability to, to uh, follow the investigative process, understand the ballistic evidence, how to, how to collect the evidence, how to photograph it, um, and 
write search warrants and things. So we're taking a patrol officer that shows that um, ability and, and willingness to take on a, additional roles and responsibilities as a first responder, but also help them be our frontline first, you know, uh, detectives out on the street. So through this program, we've implemented, um, we have over 50 officers throughout the city that have this specialized training to collect ballistic evidence and be able to help my investigators with those complex crime scenes where we have multiple um, bullets that have been fired or we have uh, weapons and vehicles or in homes. They're able to go through the investigative process and, and making sure that we um, are doing everything within, uh, they have the, the training and experience to, to do that. Great. So how do they work with your non-sworn or your professional staff and the crime lab? Because I imagine there's a lot of people more than just the badge holding police officers that are involved in this process from the front end. You already mentioned you've got people on your staff that aren't sworn. Can you tell us a little bit about those roles and in case somebody's out there who might want to look yeah. into that as a career? Absolutely. Uh, it's an exciting time for civilians uh, within our department because we are really they are a, an arm of our sworn staff. And what I mean by that is that uh, we, we give them the training and the ability to do a lot of the same things that our investigators are doing, um, be able to help us process evidence, how to uh, test fire guns and all of those things that may be um, very unique to our crime gun intelligence unit. Um, in addition to our civilian investigators, which are parallel a sworn detective position, we also have police assistants, and they're in charge of processing this evidence and helping um, into these uh, casings into Niven, be able to collect DNA, test fire handguns. So um, it is a very uh, exciting time because um, what I've noticed and in my experience being in the crime gun intelligence unit for a little over a year now is there is a blend, uh, a perfect blend between our sworn and non-sworn uh, team. and. Um, we're all, we're all working together, same mission, and um, it's very contagious because it's a, a positive work environment. People enjoy coming to work, and they know that through their uh, support and the, the job functions that they do, they're, they're impacting um, uh, crime that may be occurring in the community and be able to get bad people off the street that may be very violent and, and, and terrorizing people within our community. Yeah, so I, I like to imagine that we're living in the future now with all the advances in, in tech that we have, both on the investigative side and then on the front end of it, when we're talking about the idea of a real-time crime center. Uh, if you want to incorporate some technology on the street to kind of help you know, the community feel safer and responding officers gather more information before they get there, in, uh, tech like gunshot detection, uh, that type of thing that we already know is out there, uh, what's the message we want to give to the people who are living in communities that they know the CGR might respond to? How important is it that they call when they hear those shots fired? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we found through uh, interacting with the community and, and being out on the street and um, finding that maybe people are hesitant to call 911 or to report a crime because they live next door to the person that just pulled the trigger out in the middle of the street. Um, we have mechanisms in place through the use of silent witness um, where you can remain anonymous, provide that information to investigators. Uh, oftentimes when we go out to a, a crime scene or we're processing for evidence, um, 
we run into some barriers or some uh, struggles of, of having people come forward with information. So we have implemented door hangers and business cards that we leave on residences that may be in the general area of where a crime occurred, be able to give them the name and phone number uh, to silent witness so that they can report that information and remain anonymous. Uh, but that is extremely important to investigators. We really value the input from the community um, in helping us solve crimes. So this starts with the people who live in our neighborhoods and live next door to us and really want their neighborhoods to be safer. It starts with the community, is that right? Absolutely. And we find, um, and it's across the country, that there's a lot of shots fired that occur in, in neighborhoods and nobody, either we don't get anybody that calls or somebody assumes that their neighbor's going to call and they don't have to. Uh, I would encourage anybody that has information to believe that a crime is, has occurred or is occurring to call 911, to call the non-emergency number, or you know, worst case scenario, if they, if they want to be completely anonymous, is to, to use silent witness call and uh, report that information to us. That's great. So um, as we kind of draw to a close, how busy are you guys? How busy is your team? And do you think it's working? Absolutely. Um, my, my team of civilian investigators, uh, sworn investigators, my police assistants, the supervisors that I have, they're all very passionate about this job and they come to work every day with a positive attitude. There's nothing short of work. Uh, we're constantly, um, every day is, uh, we're running, running from bell to bell, but um, I'm confident in their abilities and their, uh, to connect the dots and to take that information and be able to um, help investigators, help our community be safer. Um, and there's been countless stories of, of, of our, my unit being involved in um, criminal investigations and being able to help investigators connect the dots and bring uh, the person that has committed a crime to justice and, and arrested. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's why we signed up to do what we do, and that's how we partner with the community to make it a reality. So I want to thank uh, you, Lieutenant Brian Knubel from the Crime Gun Intelligence Unit, uh, for your uh, insight and inspiration. Uh, I want to thank Bonneville for the time that you've given us today. And uh, we look forward to uh, interacting with you soon. Thank you very much, and be safe out there. Thank you. You've been listening to 5 Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News 92.3 FM. For more about Silent Witness, go to silentwitness.org. That's silentwitness.org. Or call 480-WITNESS. That's 480-948-6377.